We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into a Guilty as Charged podcast Q&A. Uh, I'm your host, Alex. For this episode, I reached out to the good folks, sometimes good folks, over on Twitter.com and asked some questions, uh, or asked for some questions, I should say. And you guys gave me some of your best uh, thoughts, some constructive, some dooming about the rest of the season. But I will try to do my best to answer them in this video. Um, I know that I will be going live with Steven and Tyler tonight as we preview the game against the Atlanta Falcons. This will be after the trade deadline and after everything that has happened. Um, I'm not sure the Chargers will be making any moves that will be uh, super meaningful, but still uh, we will be doing the Chargers Falcons preview pod like we do every week. That'll be at 6 p.m. Pacific uh, tonight. So stay tuned for that. But in the meanwhile, with all the questions and everything that's been talked about, the trade deadline and everything for the Chargers for the rest of the season after this bye, um, I did want to get into some questions that you guys had. Uh, so let me just share my screen here uh, and put it up on the stream. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think you should see my screen now. Um, so... Uh, pretty pretty blunt question here first from Richard Jordan Mazara, loyal listener of the show, who asks, how fucked are we in the 49ers and Chiefs games if we make no moves? Um, so this is an interesting question. Obviously, we have to get past the Atlanta Falcons game first and, you know, see what happens in that one. But the Chargers are looking at either being four and four or five and three, uh, depending on the results of the Atlanta game heading into the 49ers and Chiefs games, which... I actually think is a big distinction and, and makes the Atlanta game a lot more important because if you're five and three and you have the margin to lose two games, particularly one of those two in an NFC team, uh, that can make a big difference uh, in terms of the wild card positioning as opposed to if you're four and six uh, and you you know lose to, in, to the Falcons in a winnable game in addition to the Niners and Chiefs games as well, obviously a three game four game extended losing streak here would would put the team kind of in a, a really tough position to come back from any of this um in terms of how fucked they are for those specific games the chiefs game will be interesting because the chargers have 
historically always played the Chiefs pretty close, even when they haven't been in the best health situations. Obviously, their last matchup against the Chiefs was in week two on Thursday Night Football on a short week where they did not have Keenan Allen. Um, they had J.C. Jackson, but, you know, he was coming off of kind of the surgery slash rest thing. Didn't play all that well anyway. Um, and, you know, so they had other injuries going into that game. The two, Donald Parham didn't play. So you can kind of look at a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Chargers earlier in the season. And, like, you know, if they can at least get some version of Keenan Allen back, obviously they are a lot more injured than they were in week two. I still don't think it's impossible that they are able to keep up with the Chiefs um, just because, again, that's a team that Brandon Staley has always historically played pretty close in his tenure. There's never been a game uh, where they've gotten blown out by the Chiefs. And to credit Anthony Lynn here, too, there never was really a game in the Anthony Lynn tenure where the Chargers um, got blown out in the Justin Herbert era by the Chiefs. They always you know, played them relatively close. So... I'll be curious to see if um, in that game in two, three weeks from now, whether or not they keep up with all the injuries. But again, they should be getting some of those guys back. Um, so I would actually say they're slightly less fucked for the Chiefs game than they are for the Niners game. The Niners game will be interesting. Uh, that's obviously the big primetime Sunday night football game. Niners kind of flying high right now after acquiring Christian McCaffrey and like doing all this stuff. I think the harder offense for the Chargers to play and currently defend where you don't have Joey Bosa and you don't have JC Jackson, who is supposed to be your number one corner, you, you know, and all the other injuries on defense. The Niners offense is probably a little bit tougher to defend for the Chargers, especially because there's a lack of familiarity there as opposed to, you know, they obviously the team and the coaching staff has a lot of familiarity with the Chiefs. So I actually kind of give the Chargers a better chance to win that Chiefs game in their current state with the injuries than I do them winning the Niners game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's looking good right now for either of those games, assuming the Chargers don't make any moves, which I don't expect them to. But at the same time, you know, I don't think they're going to get blown out in those games either. Um, although the Niners game could make things interesting depending on you know, what the Chargers really have on offense that day. Because if you don't have the weapons to be able to match Debo and McCaffrey and like all those Ayuk, you know, stride for stride, then it, it's really going to be tough sledding, uh, I think, in the Niners game. But I think they've always played the Chiefs pretty tough. And if Herbert realistically after the bye looks better, then I think that they can at least win one of those two games. Potentially 0-2, but again... Not as bad if you do win the Falcons game. Trying to trying to give you the glass half full take here because I do think there is a lot of doom and gloom on Twitter. Uh, obviously, considering you know the trade deadline and everything else, but this still is a decent team who I think, if they put things together, can compete with the Niners, can compete with the Chiefs. It's just a matter of whether or not they find a way to do that. But obviously, their offensive limitations right now um, are, are pretty great. Um. This comes from football stylists. This is actually an interesting question because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, this may not be a question for the video, but can you explain how players are paid, uh, played or not, uh, considering injury? How do they do they get full or partial money? Does it depend on individual contracts? So from what I understand, I assume this was asked because the Chargers have a lot of injuries this year. Uh, 
you know, all the Chargers players will be paid in full, um, you know, with the injuries and all of those concerns. This is an interesting question because I was thinking about uh, Jawan James. I don't know if people remember this uh, in the NFL, like collective bargaining, like agreement where like the PA was telling them not to attend offseason workouts and all this stuff. And Jawan James, I believe, tore his Achilles when he was with the Broncos working out in his home. Um, and he was owed $10 million that year. But because he did it off campus, he basically lost, I think, nine million of those ten million dollars and he sued the team i think when some grievance for a million dollars but yeah um basically if it happens in a game if it happens at the facility nfl players are covered if it does not happen in any any of the situations and it's a it's designated a non-football injury then that gets into some dicey legal territory but for jc jackson for joey bosa for all these players who are missing games they will be paid in full pretty much um this comes from justin herbert fan account uh who do we take with our top 10 pick in the upcoming draft so y'all are just beams of optimism today um i'm gonna be completely honest i have this is the least college football i've ever watched um probably so i uh don't really have a strong take on that um i want to just be curious to see uh if i can just kind of bounce around here uh I was actually looking at Tankathon earlier today, uh, which is a horrible sentence. I haven't done that for a football team since like 2019 uh, or no, the end of the Lin era in 2020 when I was looking at Tankathon every week. Uh, but uh, currently the Chargers have the 21st pick in the draft. So obviously this is assuming that they um, have the seventh seed, which they currently do in the AFC um, and, you know, are going to be probably at this point, based on how the draft is draft is uh, positioning them, one of the teams eliminated in that you know wild card weekend. Um, so currently they're twenty first. Um, I I don't think the Chargers will have a top ten pick. Uh, as weird as it is to say, which is like, for some fans will be like, well, you know, are we going to be in this weird middle ground again? I just don't think they're going to be bad enough to be in the top ten. To be totally honest with you. Because if you're looking at the teams that are there right now, Detroit, Houston, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Vegas um, are in their own situations. Like, I, I don't think the Chargers are realistically going to be that bad. Um, and then, yeah, Tampa Bay. And then you have the the three big trades that are, you know, uh, putting, putting a pick in the pockets of other teams. Philadelphia currently has a number eight pick. Seattle has a top 10 pick as well from Denver. Um, Houston has a top 10 pick from Cleveland, if I'm looking at this correctly, but I actually think Cleveland is going to kind of make the wild card. That's sort of a bold prediction that I have, although I don't know if that's, if it's that bold, I think they've been a really unlucky team. They probably should have won that game against us. If Jacoby Brissett doesn't throw that horrible interception, um, and they're getting Deshaun Watson back. So, um, uh, overall, I don't think they finish as anywhere really close to a top 10 pick. Um, I still... Even if they don't make the playoffs, I think they'll be probably in that 15 to 20 range. Because again, like you have Indianapolis, Cincinnati, New England, Washington, and Atlanta in that tier. And I think for what it's worth, that's the tier the Chargers are in. You're looking at trap picks at 15 through 20 here um, on Tankathon. And I don't think they're really a lot better than that. I don't think they're a lot worse than that. Um, and I think that's probably where they'll be by the end of the season and, and maybe in that 
21 to 24 draft pick range if they can sneak into um, the wild card round, which they're currently positioned to do. Um, but again, I have not watched a single down of college football. Uh, well, that's not true. I've watched some of Rutgers, um, but I really have not watched that much college football this year outside of that one Alabama-Tennessee game um, as well. So I like I don't know uh, who who to take in the upcoming draft. I know everyone loves Will Anderson. There's some quarterbacks uh, aside from like that. I probably could not tell you five guys who are in the draft right now. Um, all right, this comes from Bolt Up Die Hard Bolt Club LA. Uh, some Bolt Up three on Twitter. One of my loyal Twitter followers uh, and I think follower of the show as well. He has two questions. Um, a lot of people are clamoring for a wide receiver at the deadline, but I believe the team will roll with the group they have. Could they go after a DB instead? Um, getting to that one first, that's going to be interesting. There were some rumors that the Chargers were interested in a certain safety um, in, in, in Terrell Burgess. I, I don't know if they're going to go after um, a DB at this point. I think if the Chargers make any move, it probably would lean offensive still um, just considering, you know, I mean, obviously the hemorrhaging that they've been doing due to injuries. Uh, I couldn't really see it being, I could see a DB being like a free agent market type of acquisition thing. Uh, I know yesterday they signed very exciting Michael, Michael Jaquette to the practice squad. Um, and, you know, people are having fun with that on Twitter yesterday with his last game as an Eagle. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so they could potentially, you know, I think make it like a free agent addition at corner. I don't think they're going to swing a big trade for one simply because there's not actually a lot um, on the cornerback market in terms of teams that are like willing to trade these guys. People point to like William Jackson, but I, I don't think that uh, the commanders end up trading him, especially because the commanders are now four and four in a position to kind of like contend for the NFC playoffs with Taylor Heineke, uh, which is a crazy sentence to say. But overall, um, don't think that any, you know, like big moves are going to be made from from the Chargers in terms of a corner. Um, and then this is the second question. There were some of these, I think, throughout the questions. But if no moves are made and the Chargers don't make the playoffs, does Telesco keep his job? Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how much this whole thing shifts. And uh, th this is somewhere where I kind of, disagree with what Tyler and Steven said because Tyler and Steven have always sort of said this is more Staley's team than Telesco's team and in terms of free agent moves and player acquisitions I agree with that but I don't necessarily agree that Staley is safer than Telesco and I don't really agree that either of them are safe in the event that they do miss the playoffs with all the money that ownership has spent um I don't, again, Tom Telesco's contract is not public, so we don't know. Uh, I know Tyler brought up a fact that he signed up a contract extension in 2018, um, I think, with the team, which, you know, if you're going just by years here, like, this would probably be the final year of that deal. But again, we don't know the exact contract that he signed. Um, I, personally, my belief is that if the Chargers miss the playoffs, you know, and I, I do think injuries will be factored in here um, if, if the situation does kind of get worse in that respect. But, yeah, I, I personally think Telesco is probably done if they miss the playoffs. And I think Staley would be in the same boat with him. Um, I, I, I think the two are 
kind of tied together at this point. I don't think you fire one without firing the other, which, um, you know, in that sense, are you going to hire a GM who is going to choose to work with Brandon's or going to have to choose to work with Brandon Staley, or you're going to fire Brandon Staley and let Tom Telesco pick his fourth head coach, right? Like those are your two choices. And personally, my philosophy is I don't think that you just in general, like, and I don't think this is how it should work in the NFL, hire a GM without letting him pick the coach, because then you kind of make the coach a sitting duck. Right. So that that is a, a thing to consider here, too, if you're talking about future coaching moves um, and all of that stuff. So, you know, that's why GMs do tend to stick around longer than coaches um, in, in all those respects. But for me, I think Tom Telesco is probably not going to get extended if he misses the playoffs. But this also goes into a big picture discussion of what the Chargers would want out of their next GM potentially out of their next coach as well, because if they really do consider themselves potentially in on the whole Peyton sweepstakes, then all the Staley Telesco stuff falls secondary to all of that, because then ownership would just pony up the pick, right? Or pony up the package of picks that you would need to make that trade work. If they're not interested and, you know, they just kind of go up over, you know, who's the hot OCDC at the time, much like when they interviewed, Staley and Dable and, and all these people back in 2021, then, you know, um, it potentially that is a world where either um, maybe Telesco remains and they get rid of Staley or they just go after GM candidates and keep Staley. But either way, I think that you kind of have to present a united front that starts with the GM. And, and my philosophy there is, I think, if you fire one, you fire both. That's me. And I, and I know Tyler and Steven probably disagree. Um, as we've talked about it before, but uh, I don't personally agree with keeping one of them and not the other. Um, Jacob Weber asks, who is to blame for the Chargers' poor defense? Um, I think a lot of it does, you know, and this is kind of something that I was talking about with uh, Stephen earlier on Twitter, but he sort of put out this tweet that, like, what Staley wants to do in theory right is is kind of what modern nfl defenses are running and, and you see this in a lot of uh places around the league um but i think the injuries have been a big part of it there's absolutely no doubt that when you lose joey bosa you're losing the depth behind joey bosa you're losing jc jackson um y- your defense is going to be worse like that that to me is just the reality of the situation there um when you're losing your high you know highly paid defensive playmakers. In addition to that, Derwin not having the kind of year I think a lot of people have wanted him to have. Again, been a good season by Derwin's standards. Not necessarily like an all-pro, Pro Bowl type season from Derwin, though, which with all the injuries the Chargers have suffered is really accentuated because now he is kind of like your key playmaker on defense, um, if you want to put it that way, in addition to Cleo Mack, right? So, you know, I think the injuries are obviously a huge part of it. I think Staley wanting to run the same defense as if he had those high, you know, price players uh, and contributors to their defense is another part of this. Um, Not that I think you should just make everything easy and make everything simple for the defense, you know, once a one player goes down, but 
I do think there is some adapting that maybe should have been done, particularly after the JC thing happened. Um, but again, there's only so much you could kind of do with those injuries. And to be honest, like the Chargers' best linebacker right now, considering a lot of the Kyle Van Noy at edge stuff, is really Drew Tranquil. And Drew Tranquil like, is great when I think he's used as a blitzer, okay when he's used in coverage. But again, this goes back to like Kenneth Murray and Troy Reader and like a lot of the guys they wanted to contribute, particularly Kenneth Murray, not having the breakout that they were supposed to have, uh, which is kind of difficult to have in the Staley defense for a linebacker anyway. But still, I think that the Chargers still kind of wanted to see more there. So again, it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's Staley having a little bit too much responsibility at times uh, with the defense, everyone being injured, and the offense not being able to sustain drives. And this is something I talked about last podcast. Like, against Seattle, the, the Chargers had 26 minutes and 31 seconds of time of possession, right? And if you are going to consistently play games like that and have your defense out there for 30, 32, 33-plus minutes – they're going to get gassed and Seattle took, you know, long drives after long drives until they could, you know, take the shots that they did. Kenneth Walker gets the touchdown when they're all gassed at the end. Right. Um, and, and stuff like that will happen when the Chargers simply like don't have a, the bodies on defense, but B when all of the bodies that they currently have that are overplayed on defense are tired, right. Just from the offense, not being able to sustain drive. So again, your best defense in some senses is a good offense as well. And the Chargers just have not been that in, in quite a few weeks here, you know, if we're, if we're being honest. Um, comes from Tiki Barber. Uh, facing a run-heavy team, I feel like I know how this game's going to turn out because this is a reference to the Falcons game. Yeah, I mean, Falcons have been a really good running team uh, all year. Not like Cleveland, like the Chargers played earlier in the year where Kareem Hunt and uh Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb just you know put on a show uh again against the Chargers to the second year in a row resulted in a Cleveland loss because of a Jacoby Brissett interception but I mean that's probably a game that Cleveland should have won um but you know one o'clock game in Atlanta uh is going to be a, a tough adjustment for the Chargers and we'll see just how much adjusting they've done um after this bye week here uh, okay, I guess this is where we get to the trade talk. Uh, Jason Dill, do we make a trade for a wide receiver at the deadline? And could it be Elijah Moore? Uh, I would love for nothing more than for it to be Elijah Moore. Um, if the Chargers were to make a move at wide receiver, uh, I don't think they will pony up the capital for that to really be available or for it to, um, you know, like come to fruition. But if the Chargers, you know, like kind of wanted to do something at wide receiver. Uh, I, I think that you're probably looking at like a Kendrick Bourne or a Nelson Aguilar type player. I don't think that you're looking for. And I, and I think the Jets are in a position too, where they're like, look, we're five and three. We're competing for the playoffs and we're not just going like trade one of our pieces, even though we're not utilizing Elijah Moore right now. If one of our wide receivers goes down, if something happens to Garrett Wilson, if something happens to one of our other players, we're going to have to play Elijah Moore. Right, and and certainly put him in a bigger role. So I don't think the Jets see the value, especially with the time that's left on Elijah Moore's contract to, you know, have the, or, or for Elijah Moore to have the leverage to demand a trade and ask when, at this point, the Jets are a team that's competing for the playoffs, right? 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't think the Jets part ways with Elijah Moore anyway, and I don't think the Chargers would be one of those teams for Elijah Moore as much as I would love to see it based on how much I loved him um, coming out of the draft. Um, I guess this is a uh, sarcastic comment, but how many catches will Easton Stick have in this upcoming game? You know, Chargers uh, made it a big point in the offseason that you had to keep uh, three quarterbacks as opposed to six wide receivers. So that is sort of the position that they are in. Um, this uh, kind of goes back to trading question type stuff. Um, and I see speed wide receiver come up a couple times here. Uh, why haven't the Chargers traded or drafted a speed wide receiver in previous seasons? You know, this is an interesting question. Um, and I know that back when the Chargers signed Mike Williams to the extension that they did, one of the things that I, you know, heard on Twitter that I even kind of discounted at the time was like, you're, you're building your wide receiver group of two $20 million receivers who aren't super athletic, but with the ways that the chargers use Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, I, I still think that you need a speed quotient behind them, but they don't necessarily have to be the speed quotient, but obviously now Keenan Allen is probably going to not be 100%. I would imagine for the rest of the year, based on things, how things have already gone. Mike Williams um, is going to be gone for at least a month uh, here. And you know he's dealing with that ankle sprain. Um, so now look, the Chargers wide receiver group now is minus the two guys that they spent $40 million on to be here for the next two or three seasons, right? Like that's, that's the reality of the situation. Um, and then in addition to that, Jalen Guyton tears his ACL. I mean, for me, the big surprise is not so much that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have gone down and they haven't done nothing because like in a sense, what can you do other than try to acquire another wide receiver? I think they've wanted Palmer to be that guy at times. But I was just very surprised when Jalen Guyton went down. They signed John Hightower to the practice squad uh, for some kind of speed quotient to be able to replace him there. John Hightower hasn't seen the field at all. And again, I don't know how practice is going. I don't know how he's learning the playbook. But if you want speed or some speed without having a trade for Nelson Aguilar, or make any of these other moves, the move should then be to play John Hightower in the Jalen Guyton role um, that he had prior to the you know 50-yard catch against Jacksonville and then obviously tears up his knee at the end of the game, unfortunately. But, like, yeah, for, for me, I think compared to previous seasons, if you look at 2021 and 2020, 2020 particularly when they had Tyron Johnson and uh, Jalen Guyton as your, as your wide receiver three and your wide receiver four, I think the reason why that worked so well with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is that they provided that speed quotient kind of behind those guys and allowed the big plays to happen when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were sort of, you know, uh, Keenan Allen particularly owning the intermediate part of the field. Mike Williams still kind of a jump ball guy in that first year with Justin Herbert, but they really allowed, you know, like the Tampa Bay game uh, and some of the other games that people will point to the Chargers to stretch the field. Obviously, that came with a better offensive line as well. Um, but yeah, so I think that when you kind of look at how the Chargers have positioned the wide receiver group and why they don't value speed, I think that they think that they have enough in their first two guys in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to kind of make it work, right? Um, but obviously, the Jalen Guyton injury 
Carter, I think, having to do too much in terms of responsibility right now uh, to, to really, you know, like focus on catching just like go routes and on all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it has not played out the way that the Chargers intended it to play out. And that's something that goes back to, you know, planning before the season. But also they probably could not have, you know, planned for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, the worst possible like stuff happening to them without taking a wide receiver in the first round, which they didn't. And that's a discussion for another day, probably as well, and a discussion that will loom through um, I what I would imagine is the next draft as well. Uh, can we hire Bill to replace Tom and head coach? Uh, Bill Belichick, very funny. Um, <laughs> Dan Fouts, why didn't we go after a speed wide receiver our, uh, or Roquan Smith? Roquan Smith obviously getting traded to the Ravens yesterday for a second and a fifth. Are we that content with what they have? Well, I'll say regarding Roquan Smith, I, I don't think the Chargers were ever like really a contender there. I know they had brought up uh, when Roquan Smith originally demanded the trade over the summer, the Chargers were a team that people talked about, um, you know, potentially obviously making the Khalil Mack move already. Um, I don't think the Chargers would ever trade for Roquan Smith. And I think the Ravens are one of the few teams that probably would not saying that no team would, but the Chargers don't really value off-ball linebacker play. Um, this has been, you know, a constant theme throughout the Staley era. In addition to having to give up the capital and probably extend Roquan Smith for 60 or $70 million, um, I, I don't think that that's something the Chargers wanted to do. Um, and I sort of understand with how they value the first and third levels of defense so much and the money that they have spent. Uh, in both of those areas, why they just, you know, I, I don't think they were ever a Roquan Smith contender for that reason with how much you're spending on Mac and Bosa, how much you're spending on JC and Derwin and, and the back end as well. So for me, A, I don't think Staley values linebackers and B, you know, he doesn't value linebackers that much either um, to, to be able to be in on Roquan Smith. Uh I do think Roquan Smith would probably be the team's best tackling linebacker. I mean, he, I think, leads the league in, in tackles right now. Um, coverage, though, Roquan Smith is pretty hit or miss. But then again, Chargers guys themselves are, are pretty hit or miss right now, probably aside from Tranquil. Um, all right, let's keep going. Renee Vandervelden, and I guess this is a way to kind of like summarize things without getting like too doomy and gloomy here. Uh, why does this front office... Uh, hate, uh, hate making in season trades. So, I mean, this is kind of a varied question, right? We've already seen how Tom Telesco does in the offseason, right? Where, you know, obviously you have the 2021 offseason where he goes and gets Khalil Mack, goes and gets JC Jackson, has this big free agency spending, a spending, uh, spending splurge with Austin Johnson, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day as well, right? So, you know, he went in and, and spent the money there, but obviously not. Tom Telesco has never been an in-season moves guy. Um, and I think that that's going to be tested this year by how poor the Chargers' depth is right now with everything that is on the line for a team that was supposed to be kind of all-in heading into the season. But I guess the reason that me and Tyler and Steven aren't surprised is that this is how Tom Telesco has tended to always operate. And again, I think there is... Uh, a medium here between being like less sneed and being like, fuck all the picks. We're just going to go all in all the time. And Tom Telesco, which is like, we're, you know, we're all in, in the off season, but we're not going to make any of these like in season 
trade moves and acquisitions, right? I, I don't think Chargers are the Chargers fans are like, oh, go, you know, yeah, well, some of them are on Twitter, like <laughs> in in the context of the Rams, go get Jalen Ramsey, go get Von Miller, go get all these guys. Like, you know, per, for me personally, it's less about going to like get like superstars and more about getting guys who are playmakers who can just fit the system. Like we talked about with wide receiver, even with Bourne or Aguilar, um, potential help at running back, right? All those other things. I don't think that you need to go get a superstar player, but when your depth is tested, like it is being tested right now, um, and Justin Herbert is throwing the ball to DeAndre Carter, who might be his wide receiver one this week, like that that's a situation where, you, you know, I think you do need to sacrifice some draft capital if you are willing to save, you know, what the rest of this charter season is supposed to be with some potential playoff run or, or some run towards the end of the season here. Otherwise, are you kicking the can to 2023, right? Where the Chargers have already kind of spent a lot of their money, probably not going to be active players in free agency. And then you're just trying to negotiate the draft and some of these smaller contract deals to try to contend as opposed to what the, the motto was in 2022 offseason. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Telesco has never been an in-season trades guy. I don't expect that to change now as opposed to why he hates it. Um I think that the Chargers truthfully have also never been in like a position like say the Eagles are in now where it's like, we're going to just push all of our tips in and compete because we're five and two, we're six and one, we're seven and oh, right. Um, the Chargers have never quite been in that position in the mid season, you know, under Tom Telesco, especially in these recent Justin Herbert years, it's always been something kind of like weird is happening at the bye week at the trade deadline. Um, and so, you know, I think if the Chargers had a more, you know, had a better record right now, and let's say they were six and one and seven and oh, that might be a, a situation where Tom Telesco kind of like makes a move, but the Chargers have always kind of hovered around or a little bit below 500, um, by the trade deadline in a lot of these cases. So therefore I, I think that's another reason that Telesco probably hasn't pushed his chips all into the middle there. But again, at some point. There is a bit of a shit or get off the pot reaction, right? Um, any chance of a trade move before tomorrow? Uh, I'm just going to kind of repeat what everyone has already said already. I don't think the Chargers make a move before tomorrow. Granted, they could have something in the works. We, we've heard about, you know, we didn't hear anything about Khalil Mack before that happened. And the Chargers are very, very secretive about leaks and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think a deal gets done uh, before tomorrow. Um, then last question here from, uh, let me make sure I'm reading that right. Prentel Meyer fanatic. Uh, he asks how many three and outs are we going to get in the next game? Um, the three and out thing is kind of interesting because I believe Arjun made a graphic earlier in the season, uh, from, uh, one of his sources where he had the chargers, uh, I think as like the seventh or eighth highest third and out rate. I don't know what they are right now. Again, this was back in September, but I would imagine they're probably a little higher um, in the third now category. And obviously that comes from not having Keenan Allen, not having Mike Williams now for the next month or so. Um, that's going to be kind of rough and a stat that could potentially get even worse in terms of third now rate and, and be around where maybe Denver is right now, um, which would be really uh, drastic and terrible offensively. 
Um, but yeah, again, I, I just think the Chargers that goes back to like needing to simplify and streamline the offense while um, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams are are out. And as long as that happens, then the Chargers, as long as that doesn't happen, I should say, and the Chargers kind of you know just continue to trot out Carter and Bandy and some of these other guys, um, the third and out rate is probably going to stay pretty rough. Uh, all right, well, that's all the questions that I got from you guys today. Let me know if you. Uh, have any questions in the comments down below be happy to jump in there for a few minutes and answer some as well uh, but anyway happy trade deadline day nothing's gonna happen and i hope the chargers do beat the falcons and we'll be doing that podcast tonight as well so uh bolt up and see you guys next time mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from movement whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.